Thank you, guys. I think I was here at the first one of these that we started about 13 years ago. And these are always so much fun. I've watched it grow through the years. And it's great, great to be back again and to be able to be the speaker tonight. I just love being back in the, the land of Boudreaux and Thibodeau. It's always fun to come back to their country. Uh, hey, did, did, did y'all hear that, that Boudreaux and Thibodeau got saved? Yeah, they got saved. You know, they were bad boys, but they got saved. I mean, they got radically saved. They are now radicals for Jesus. And everywhere they go, they tell people about Jesus. And they're always carrying signs, you know. Uh, the end is near. Waving signs all the time. Jesus is coming. Be prepared. They're painting on the side of old abandoned buildings. The end is near. Prepare to meet the Lord. And I mean, they're just, they're just radicals. And uh, one day they're, uh, they're sitting down on the bio fishing by where this bridge was and they're fishing there. And uh, all of a sudden they hear, crash, ah, splash. And Boudreaux looks over at Thibodeau and said, Thibodeau, you think maybe we should have, instead of writing on that sign, the end is near, we should have, we should have written the bridge is out. And you hear about Boudreaux and Thibodeau, you know, they're at work and it's lunchtime and, and uh, Boudreaux pulls out this kind of long silver thing and Thibodeau said, Boudreaux, what, what that? He said, that's a termos. A termos? What that for? He said, well, you, it, he said, it's really cool, man. He said, you, it keeps, thing, you put things in it, it keeps them cold and you put things in it, keep them hot. He said, really? He said, what you got in there? He said, soup and a popsicle. <laughs> I brought some of my books. Some of you read my book. This is the revised uh, updated copy with a new, new cover. Uh, it's called God's Great Outdoors, Outdoor Stories for the Kingdom Message. It's a collection of 31 hunting, fishing, camping stories, each of which... Uh, tells a principle of the kingdom of God. It goes from the natural to the to the spiritual. Uh, in this book, you can read about me rescuing an old doe in the deep waters of an Alabama bay from a pack of uh, hounds. You can read about me on a runaway horse on the side of the Rocky Mountains in Colorado about to drop off of a thousand foot cliff to my death. All kinds of uh, stories in it. I'll tell you one story and then we'll, we'll get on. Uh, I, I had this quail dog named Maggie. I think this thing's bouncing a little bit on me. I don't know if you can take it down just a little bit. But uh, I got Maggie in kind of an unusual way. Uh, a friend of mine, a millionaire cattleman over in Gonzales, Texas, called me one day and he said, Jim, he says, there's a bird dog. It's a, it's a German, German uh, short hair. And she's wandered up here to my pens. And uh, I, I wonder if you might want her. I said, well, maybe so. I'll come over. So I went over and, and uh, he, he had put uh, notices in the paper about for Maggie. Nobody had claimed her, so I said, oh, she looks pretty good. So I, I knew where a covey of quail was right down from his pens. So I took Maggie down there, turned her out. Man, she didn't run 20 yards out of the truck, and all of a sudden, boom, she's just frozen on point. And I step in behind her, and a group of about 20 Bob White quail busts out. I said, oh, my, we'll stand on holy ground. I will take, I will take Maggie. So uh, Maggie became my dog, and she was really a good, good dog, but she did have some sins in her life, <laughs> namely that she hated cats, 
goats and skunks. She hated them. She didn't just chase cats. She caught cats. And whenever she caught a cat, it was one more cat to the cat heaven. And uh, so one day, uh, a friend of mine and I were uh, went down to South Texas uh, quail hunting. It's about a three and a half hour drive from where we live. So uh, to, to save money, rather than drive the pickup, we took we took his Volkswagen Beetle. And we got down there, and it was just one of those beautiful South Texas days, and we shot a sack of quail. I mean, we hunted, we hunted all day long, killed a lot of quail. And we're just about ready to go home, and it start, the sun's beginning to go down, and Maggie pointed. I said, Ronnie, let's shoot this last covey of birds and uh, head for home. So just as we stepped in behind Maggie to flush the birds, she broke the point, lunged forward, and grabbed a striped skunk right across the back. And you could be, begin to hear those bones crush. And she's crushing that skunk, and the air filled with a yellow perfume. <laughs> oh, my. We just took off running. I mean, we just ran as fast as we could. But now it was time to go home, and we, we had to load Maggie in the back of the Volkswagen Beetle. I'm persuaded that thing was a German gas chamber <laughs> rather than a car. And, uh, but that's, that story's in the book. There's a lot of stories like that in the book. And uh, you might want to pick one up afterwards out here uh, in the foyer. Uh, I recently read a book that, that impacted my life. I want to tell you just a little bit about it. And I'm actually going to read a few excerpts that I copied out of the book. Some of you may remember, most of you are not young enough to remember this, but you may have read, read the book or seen the movie. In 1972, a Uruguayan uh, rugby team was on their way to Chile to play the Chile team in a, 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 a rugby match. And as they were flying over the Andes, uh, they got in some clouds and the pilot got too low and flew the plane right into the side of the mountain. Uh, 29 on board were killed. Uh, the plane was just torn to pieces. Some of them were bad. The others that were alive were badly, badly wounded. And for 72 days, they starved and froze there in, in the Andes. Uh, a book was written just a year or two after it happened called Alive. Very factual book, very accurate book, a good book. And then a movie was made from it called Alive. But about 35 years after it happened, one of the men who was on the plane named Nando Parado wrote another book called Miracle in the Andes. And he's reflecting back now, 35 years later, on that event that totally changed his life. Uh, and it, it's, it's a very introspective book. And he talks about his feelings and what he was feeling and what he was thinking uh, through this tragedy. He actually had invited his sister and mother to come with him on the trip, and they were both killed in the crash. Uh, to, to read the book is just, it's devastating. They uh, were starving to death, so you know the only food source are the bodies of their dead friends. And so they began to cannibalize those bodies, trying to stay alive, not enough cover, not enough food, just terrible. And finally, Nando and a man named Roberto decide we can't, we, we, we can't stay. He says, we've prayed. It looks like God's not going to save us. And the, the authorities have given up on us. They're not going to save us. 
If we're going to, if we're going to get out of here, we've got to save ourselves. And so he and this man named Roberto struck out across the Andes in the snow. They went the wrong way first and hit a dead end and came then, made their way back, found the, back to the plane, arrested, uh, got some more of the meat from the bodies and struck out again uh, on an impossible task to cross the Andes Mountains. And they made it all the way up over the, over the Andes and down on the western side into a Chilean village and then were able to direct the helicopters back to the crash. And 16 of the uh, young men survived. And uh, he has profound understanding that came out of that tragedy. And I want to read just a little bit of it to you. And as I do, uh, I want you to realize he is not a Christian. He does not believe that God is a person. He, he's not an atheist. He believes there is God, but God's just kind of a, I don't know, what you call cosmic force out there somewhere. And uh, he says, I can't believe in the Christian God. He says, I respect the faith of those who prayed and said that God rescued us. He said, but why did he rescue 16 of us and the other 29 died? He said, that makes no sense to me. He's very honest. The book is very, very honest. And out of that experience, let me read you a few of his words. He said, the realness of death was so clear and so potent that for a moment it, it burned away everything temporary and false. Death had shown its face dark, predatory, invincible. And for a split second, it seemed that beneath the fragile illusions of life, death was all there is. But then I saw that there was something in the world that was not death. Something just as awesome and enduring and profound. There was love. The love in my heart. And for one incredible moment, as I felt this love swell, love for my father, for my future, for the simple wonder of being alive, death lost its power. In that moment, I stopped running from death. Instead, I made every step a step toward love, and that saved me. I have never stopped moving toward love. Life has blessed me with material success. I like fast cars, good wine, fine food. I love to travel. I have a beautiful home in Montevideo. That's the capital of Uruguay. And another one at the beach. I believe life should be enjoyed, but my experiences have taught me that without the love of my family and my friends, all the trappings of worldly success would ring hollow. I also know that I would be a happy man if all those trappings were taken away from me as long as I'm close to the people that I love. And then he concludes by saying, I have tried to love my friends with a loyal and generous heart. I have loved my children with all my strength. I have loved one woman with a love that has filled my life with meaning and joy. I have suffered great losses and have been blessed with great consolations. But whatever life may give me or take away, this is the simple wisdom that will always light my life. I have loved passionately, fearlessly, and with all my heart and with all my soul, and I have been loved in return. For me, this is enough. And so I guess we could summarize it up by saying, if you ain't loving, you ain't living.
And as I read the Bible, I believe, is, is it St. Paul that says there are three things, only three things that really are eternal and abide in this universe? Three? Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. It even goes, the Bible even goes so far to say it's God is love. And so I want to talk a little bit about love tonight. First of all, I want to say to us men, we need to love our friends. You know, friendship is a big part of life. I have many acquaintances. I have a few friends, and I love them deeply. I have one particular friend that uh, we began to run around together when we were 15 years old in high school. We started hunting ducks together when we were 15 years old. Uh, and have been doing that now for about 60 years. Uh, he, he's, those of you who've read my book, he's the one in the book, you remember, uh, I tell the story about, I think we were both 16 then, maybe we were 17, we were in high school, and we were duck hunting uh, behind the city reservoir in Port Arthur, Texas. You say, Brother Jimmy, did you have a lease there? We were hunting behind the city reservoir in Port Arthur, Texas. And uh, we'd killed a few teal, and we decided we would uh, roam a little bit and see what we could find. So we started walking, and we hit this levee. We started walking down this levee, and we saw these ducks way on down ahead of us uh, in, in a kind of a flooded part of the pasture. And so we eased up a little bit more and looked, and we could see the green on their heads. They were greenhead mallards. Man, we got so excited. Here, we're just young duck hunters. We hadn't hunted but a couple of years. We, we hadn't killed but one or two mallards together. So, oh, mallards. So we got down on the side of the levee, crawled down this side of the levee, kept crawling, take a peep over once in a while. There they're still, they're just still swimming. Those mallards just swimming right there. Crawl right on down that levee. Got right in with them. Said, you ready? He said, yeah, I'm ready. So we were both shooting double barrels at that time. I mean, we came over that levee and we came down and we blew that guy's duck decoys right out of the water, blew them all to pieces. And he come up out of the blind saying some things that I would not say here tonight and took, he come out after us. So boy, we took off down that levee running. <laughs> and I'll tell you one thing, a middle-aged man in waders is no match for two teenagers in hip boots. We outran him and uh, left, left, him, left him behind. But this, this is the guy that, that, uh, that's been my friend all these years. And uh, he, uh, he, his job moved him from place to place across America through the years. He worked for GMAC. But we always made a point every year during duck season, he would come to see me and we'd spend several days uh, duck hunting. Uh, we did it this past year. We do it, we do it every, every year. And uh, so it's just been a, a real deep friendship. We, we love each other. We, we would die for each other. Uh, last year, we, uh, we had the privilege of uh, a, year, a year ago in June, it's been 15 months now, we went to Uruguay in uh, South America to hunt ducks. We'd heard about how many ducks there were down there. So we, we made a trip to, to Uruguay. And uh, man, it was just like two kids down there when we got down with all those ducks. There were just ducks all over the place. And uh, no plug in your shotgun, no limit. I asked the guy, I said, what's the limit on the ducks? He says, you're in Uruguay. I said, I know that, but what, what's the limit? You're in Uruguay. I said, oh, I got the picture. Okay. All right. Uh, no legal shooting time. And the ponds we were shooting over were baited. 
you say, Brother Jimmy, that, that don't sound like your baby. That sounds like South Louisiana. <laughs> and I mean, we had a time, and, and we hunted uh, four times and killed 322 ducks. Just, uh, uh, just an awesome, awesome time. But just spending time with him, being down there together, and having so much fun. Uh, he, he just, he's just one of the, the, the great friends of my life. And I, I want to I encourage you tonight, man. Love your friends. Love your friends. It's one of the great gifts of life are deep, real friendships. The second I want to talk about, love your family. And before I go into this, I, I, want, I want you to play a little uh, YouTube video for you. The, the guy that, uh, that did this is a friend of mine. And I love, his, name, his name is Steve Dunk. I love Steve. He's in our church. Uh, we were talking the other day. I said, Steve, you know, I need to take you fishing. He said, yeah, I've never gone fishing in a boat. He said, I'd like to go try that for about an hour. I said, how are you going to get home? He said, what do you mean? I said, when I throw you overboard and I go on fishing, I said, how are you going to get home? So uh, he's not a fisherman, but, but he is a, a really good friend of mine. And he did this, this YouTube video, and it really speaks well about what I'm talking about, about love. So uh, if you play that Did something that I thought I'd never do I talked on the telephone till half past two with you Only with you I went somewhere I thought I'd never go I walked in the park for an evening show with you only with you, only with you, my heart keeps on beating, only with you, does the sun shine every day, only with you, my heart keeps repeating, I don't know what I'd do If I didn't have you Sat all day in an inner tube Floating down a river called the Guadalupe with you Only with you I said something that I thought I'd never say Could you be my girl and you said okay with you 
but only with you only with you my heart keeps on beating only with you knows the sunshine every day only with you my heart keeps repeating I don't know what I'd do If I didn't have you Don't know what I'd do If I never met you Steve's on the praise team in our church. He's a, he's a good song, singer and a good songwriter, too. So I want to talk about loving your family just a little bit. Uh, you know, the best thing the Lord ever did for me was Bethy, my wife. Uh, gosh, how did I come out so good, I think, sometimes, you know? She is so beautiful, and she's so funny, and we have so much fun together. Uh, on the way down here, you know, we were kidding around, and I said, you know... The last few months, you hadn't been getting up early when I go hunting and fishing and cooking breakfast for me like you did, like you always have done all these many years. And she said, "Well, I'm just checking you out to see if you were really grateful." <laughs> she said, "You know, you are spoiled." I said, "I know I'm spoiled, and I love it too. I love being spoiled." So we've just had such a great time. I love her so much. You know, she's just wonderful. I have three children, six grandchildren. Love all of them. Uh, so, so much. But the youngest of my grandchildren is a little girl named Damaris. She's 14 now. Uh, she's Tim's uh, youngest one, and she's just really special. We just have a special relationship. Uh, she told me one time, she said, all the other grandchildren say that I'm your favorite. I said, well, why do they say that? She says, because it's true. <laughs> Couldn't argue. One day we were fishing. She's about nine years old then. It's been several years now. We were fishing, and she was, uh, I got bought her a fly rod. She's fishing a fly rod, and she's catching some nice big brim. She had this big old brim in her hand, all yellow, real pretty fish. And she looked up at me, and she says, you know, I'm the girl of every boy's dreams. <laughs> she said, not too much on makeup and all that, sports and outdoors. And on top of all that, I'm pretty too. Uh about th I guess about three years ago now, we, we were hunting, and she and I were hunting, you know, hunting uh, ducks, and some sandhill cranes came by, and I, I shot one down, and it, was, it hit the ground, and it's crippled. And it hit the ground, boy, and it took off walking fast. I said, Damaris, go get him, go after him. So, boy, she took off. She had her little 410 uh, single shot that I'd bought her, and she's chasing that crane, and that crane had about as long legs as she did. I mean, he's just going, and she's trying to catch up with him. She's stopping. You take a shot and you keep on going. Then she's having to reload. She'd drop her bullet down the grass, pick up, pick, pick up her shotgun. She'll put it back up, chasing that, trying to chase that crane. Finally, we got the crane. She got back to the blind. She told me, she said, Daddy-o, I got to have a gun that'll shoot harder and shoot more times. <laughs> so you know what I bought her? You know what she had the next season? She had a semi-automatic 20-gauge, and that's what she's shooting now. Uh, just the, the other day, we were fishing, we were fishing together over at, uh, 
a bass drop lake about an hour from our, our home. And the, the bass come on, get on the surface in the summer. They're chasing shad. And so we caught a bunch of fish. And then it had kind of slowed down. So we're, we, we put two rods in the, in the holder in the back. And we're just trolling along on the trolling motor slow. Both rods are in the back. And she jumps overboard. She always comes in her swimsuit. She jumps overboard. And she's swimming, hanging on the side of the boat, towing along, letting the trolling motor tow her. All of a sudden, pew, both rods went down. And next thing I know, I see this long arm come up over the gunnel of the boat grab her rod, pull it out of the holder, and I look out there, and she sets the hook, and she's sitting there dog paddling with her feet, fighting that fish right there in, in, in the deep. I said, ah, that's my girl. That's her. So uh, she's very special to me. I love all my grandchildren. I love all my children, and I, and I love her with a, with a very special way. And I just I want to encourage you tonight. Love your families, man. Love your families. Treat your wife like a princess. You want to be, I'll tell you what happened. You treat her like a princess, it won't be long, she'll treat you like a prince. You take her for granted, walk all over, talk mean to her, ignore her. You're asking for trouble in your home. Love her. Love your children. Love your grandchildren. Love is the basic thing of this whole universe. Third, love your church. You know, it, it, it's it's a uh, it's kind of fashionable now to talk about. Yeah, Jesus was an okay guy. He 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 was good. But the church, uh, I, w- I was reading some comments the other day just by worldly people off the internet, and they were just talking about about Jesus, and and they were saying, oh yeah, Jesus, he 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 was pretty cool, you know. He uh he loved everybody. He loved prostitutes. Uh, he just accepted everybody, uh, and he blasted uh, he blasted those religious people of his day. He just he just really blasted them. But oh, organized religion, the church, yeah, yeah. Man, that's a wrong attitude. Do you know Jesus died for the church? We must love and cherish the church. And I want to encourage you tonight: love your pastor, love your church. Every morning when Beth and I have breakfast, we, uh, we pray together and, and we, we plead the blood of Jesus. We, pre- we plead protection over our local church, which my son Tim is the pastor. We love our church. We just put the blood of Jesus over the church and pray that God protect it from all division, from all harm, from all enemies. And keep it strong and full of the Holy Spirit and full of power and full of the anointing and full of the life of Jesus. Love your church. Fourth, love the creation. Love the creation. You know, a lot of people confuse the world and the earth. Now, the Bible very plainly says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And occasionally, earth and world are used synonymously in the Bible, but most of the time, there's a real distinction between them. The world is an evil, sinful system ruled over by a fallen archangel named Satan. The world is smoke-filled rooms. The world is pornographic literature. The world is violent, wicked talking. The world is child abuse. 
The world is sexual abuse. The world is all of those evil things. And that's why the Bible says, love not the world. But the earth is a different, a different thing. The earth is a wonderful ecosystem full of order and beauty and color that God created for us to enjoy. So the Bible says the earth he has given to the sons of men. And we're to love the earth and we're to take care of it. We're earth's caretakers. So don't ever feel guilty about loving the earth and the beautiful things that are on this earth. It's very different from the world. I uh, Sometimes I just I sit down on my back porch and we've got a hummingbird feeder there and those hummingbirds are just coming and, and drinking. And I, I just love to watch them, you know, how nervous they are. And they run each other off and they just, they're just swarming on that thing. And I think, how beautiful, how beautiful. They're all different colors. Some of them have ruby red throats. Some of them are greenish in color. I love to watch them. That's part of the earth. Uh, the other morning I was teal hunting, the opening day of teal season in Texas, I think probably the same, same opener y'all had. And uh, we had shot some teal, didn't have our limit yet. And it was beginning to get a little later in the morning. We were thinking about going home. And I said, hey, let's just hang in here a few minutes. You never know what will happen. And uh, all of a sudden, we saw a group of four. So we began to call a little bit. We looked at them. And then we looked up. And all of a sudden, at least 40 birds were coming right in on us. And they made a pass and swung around just in such beautiful harmony. And we let them pass that time so we get a little better, better chance. They swung again. And then they come right around my end of the blind. I could have shot them there really easy, but I, I want to give the other guys a chance. And came right over from the back and then just came right over, had the engines cut down and the landing gear dropping. Absolutely gorgeous sight. Just, it made the day just to see a group of 40 teal coming right in over our heads, right down into the decoys. Those are the kind of things uh, that to me are lifelong, lifelong memories. Uh, just a few weeks ago, Beth and I were uh, we're down at the coast and we're fishing. I have a particular hole down there, but I'm, I've been fishing for f over 40 years. It's, it's, it's in Corpus Bay, and it's, it's, it's a little hole that's kind of landlocked behind a sandbar. And if you have a, a real shallow draft boat, I've got a very shallow draft boat that's floating three inches of water, you can get it across that bar and into that hole, and it's always, always got redfish flound and flounder in it, sometimes trout. I've literally, through the 40 years, I've caught thousands of good fish out of that hole. Uh, Francis was with me one time. We were fishing, uh, Brother Francis was when we were fishing that hole. And, and we, I had a bigger boat then. We couldn't get it over the bar, so we anchored at the bar, and he and I waded in. And we had a long, big string of redfish. And we saw this boat coming from the bay, full speed ahead. And that cove we were fishing in, that, that hole looks like an opening into the ship channel, but it's not. And they're just running straight for it. I said, Francis, uh, have a look. You're fixing to see a wreck. And boy, they hit that bar full speed ahead. And then for the next hour, they were there trying to get out of the sand. And uh, finally, I said, well, I guess I better go help them, Francis. And, uh, but I didn't want to see them to see all the fish we had. So I made a fast trip to my boat, and I'm kind of moving fast, and they think I'm trying to get away, not help them. I want to get those boat fish in the icebox before they saw them. So I got fish in the icebox, and they come and say, can you help us get out? They said, we just bought this boat. 
And the man said it would run in four inches of water. Yeah, that's, that's a good, don't, don't believe everything a boat salesman will tell you. So by the time I got over there to help them, they had blown out a big hole with their prop. They, and so I was able to get, the, get, I said, I think I can pop it out for you. Got it, got, got in the boat, got it in just right position, popped it out, out of there, and they went on their way. But that's the hole. So we're back in that hole uh, the other day fishing, and uh, we're catching a few fish, and all of a sudden we looked up, and coming over that sandbar is, is a school of redfish, at least 50 fish. And they've got their tails up right up in that Texas air. They're feeding as they're coming across that bar. All the tails are up in the air. And so we just got on the troll boat to ease that way. And then when I got close, I got out of the boat and just began to move the boat. And I kept telling it, are you in range yet? She said, she can't cast as far as I can. Are you in range yet? I can't throw that far. Well, we're right on top of them. I can throw two times across them. Okay. Just keep pushing on, getting closer and closer and closer. Can you reach them yet? Can you reach them yet? I can reach them now. Okay, I said, let's go. One, two, three. We both threw in there, both hooked up on a big old redfish and got to catch those. But uh, those are the kind of memories that I just love uh, because they, they're, they're things of the earth. They're, they're things of, of the creation that are so beautiful uh, that, that God has made. Men love the earth. God placed us in this beautiful ecosystem to enjoy it, to love it, and to take care of it. And then last tonight, love the Creator. Not just the creation, but love the Creator. There are many men who love the creation. They love duck hunting. They love all the beauty that's out there, all the birds, the fish. They love that, but they don't know the Creator. And yet the Bible says, when they ask Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? He says, this is it. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so I want to I encourage you tonight. Love God. Love the Creator. He's the one who made you. He's the one who breathed life into you. He's the one who put you in this beautiful ecosystem called the earth. Love the Creator. And so as I finish tonight, I guess we would say, as, we've, as I've read from... Nando's book that when it all came down to ground zero he says the only thing really in this universe that I found of value is love and the Bible is really God's love letter to us it's a love letter it's God telling us how much he loves us every one of us have rebelled against God we have sinned and we deserve to go to a devil's hell. Is that right? Every one of us. But God could not stand the thought of his creation going to a devil's hell. And so before we ever sinned, he had the way out. And he sent the Lord Jesus, his precious son, into this world. He, he took on a human body like we have. He was tempted in every way as we are tempted. Yet without sin, he never sinned in thought, word, or deed. And because he never sinned, he did not have to die. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. But he, did not, he never sinned, so he did not have to die. He could have lived on and on and on and on. But because he loved you and he loved me, he took our sin upon himself. Thus, he now becomes the guilty one. He becomes the sinner now with our sin. And because he is now the sinner... He has to die. 
And he dies in our place upon the cross. On the third day, God raises him from the dead alive forevermore. And that's God's love letter to us. That's God saying, I love you. I don't want any of my creation to go to hell. None. Praise God. That's the, core mess- that's the core message of the Bible, that God is love and that he has loved us eternally in his son, the Lord Jesus. Let's pray together. Let's clap our heads. You've been such a great audience tonight. So good to speak to you. As I close this in prayer, before I do, maybe there's some here who would say, Brother Jimmy, I need to begin to love. And you can't really do that until you get God's love in your heart. You, you, need, you need the Father to come and, and love on you. You need Jesus to come into your life and forgive you of your sins. Write your name in the book of life in heaven. You need to become the chi- a child of God. Begin to walk with Him. Let His love flow through you. So you can't really love your family like you need to without God's love in you. You can't love your friends like you want to without God's love in you. And so tonight, with our heads bowed, and I don't want anybody looking around, is there anyone here who would say, Brother Jimmy, I need to open my heart tonight to Jesus, who is God's, God's love for me. I need to open my heart to Him. I want you just to raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want you to raise your hand because I want to pray for you. I see the hand back here. Any other hand over here? See the hand over here? I'm looking across here now. Any, any hands here? They say, I just need to open my heart to God's Son, the Lord Jesus, and let, let Him come in and forgive me. And right hand over here. Any others? Any, any others? Just, just another over here. Yes, over here. Here. Number of hands tonight. Just men saying, I need Jesus in my life. I need God's forgiveness in my life. I need a new beginning. I need a new start. I need to begin to love with God's love. Any others before I pray? Another hand over here. Another hand over here. Another hand over here. Another hand over here. All right, now, men, when I pray, I want you just to open up your heart. I want you to open up your heart. Just let the Lord come into your law, into your life. You say, oh, there's someone here who says, I don't know. I don't know. I've been a pretty bad dude. I've been bad. I mean, I've done some bad, bad things. That's why Jesus had to die on the cross. That's why he had to take our sin so that we could be forgiven and cleansed and, forget, and made whole. So as I pray now, just open up your heart. All of you have lifted your hands. And there's others here, others here too, that you need to open your heart tonight. Take your hands off your life and let the Lord begin to put, put His hands upon your life. Let Him, let His Spirit begin to direct your life. So I'm going to pray now. Open up your heart. Father, we thank You tonight how much You love us. Thank You, Lord, that You just, you did, you just weren't, you weren't willing to let us go on to hell and suffer eternally for our sins. But You have loved us because the core of this universe is love. 
And Father, I just thank you right now for these men who lifted their hands and say, I want Jesus in my life. I need God's forgiveness. Lord, we open our hearts right now. And we say, come in, Lord Jesus. Come in. Come into my life. Some of you would say it's a mess. But Lord, I give it to you. Come into my life tonight. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Write my name in your book. And cause me to begin to love with your love. Lord, we thank you now because we're asking, you're hearing, and you're doing what we ask, and that Jesus is coming into men's lives tonight to change them, to make them children of God, and to cause them to love deeply as you want us to, we pray in his precious name. Amen. 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 God bless you.